Hello everyone and welcome back to the Two Baggies One Light Bulb podcast. We're back. I actually can't remember if we recorded an episode for last time. Did we? Uh, no, we actually skipped that week. We couldn't get together, could we? Yeah, we could not. Uh, and we're sorry, but we love you. Sorry, not sorry. And, and sorry hashtag sorry, not sorry. Uh, we're literally coming like t-shirts from 2015. Mm. Um, but, you know, we're back. Back on it. With a win, which is even better. Because it, it sucks when we have to get together and just talk about losses or draws and terrible games. But we actually got a win this time. It was Blues O. Yeah. Uh, not the best of games... Not That's the best of football it. from either side, really. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we came away from, with a win and a great goal from Colin Grant, which we will get into. But I want to start with, because it's fresh in my mind and I'm thinking about it, the commentary last night was terrible. Mm. And there's a lot of people who go out and defend on Goodman. It's former Albion, he's amazing. Oh, former player. I don't, I don't get it. It's dreadful. Mm. I, I've never really heard him say anything objectively pro Albion for more than a minute yeah it's dreadful I, don't, I know you feel the same way yeah Don Goodman is absolutely goddamn terrible isn't he the fact that this guy's stealing a living on Sky Sports infuriates me I mean there are, it's it's crazy I mean what's the worst part do you reckon about Don Goodman it's the fact that he just talks nonsense for a full 90 minutes he talks like a like a FIFA commentator in blocks and it's kind of like is he really adding anything with the commentary it's just he's sort of there I could sit there in silence yeah, you know, I could literally sit there in silence, chatting my own shit with the people I'm watching the game with, and not have God government. Well, put it on mute then, Don. Well, I want to hear the fucking game sounds. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I want to hear that. Like that's where Amazon had it right. To be fair to him, so what you want about Amazon not paying their taxes? Jeff Bezos literally being a Bond villain and wanting to inject himself with stem cells and go to the fucking moon. But at least the guy had a, a platform in which we could have football without dog shit Don Goodman level commentary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's my take it's a pretty simple take yeah and if you want to listen to our <laughs> spin-off podcast uh, two communists one light bulb and one communist one communist one one communist one means of product yeah Pretty. Uh, whoa <laughs> PG please um, yeah the biggest gripe I had with it and I really agree like he talks in blocks like oh I don't know about that one Derek but he seems like a tough cookie I think he'll carry on that's it it's literally like trope after trope after trope after yeah. soundbite after soundbite after soundbite it's annoying because there are some quite good commentators on Sky I'm not even talking about the premiere ones I want about, I can't remember his name you will forgive me but it was the lead commentator last night and there's this other chap and I can't remember his name uh, they're quite funny together and I do enjoy watching the game with them and I think they might even be on the commentary um, they might have been on the commentary for the Fulham QPR game or the Cardiff mm. ones again tomorrow I do enjoy their commentary I'm just really not a fan of Don Goodman's and the biggest problem I had and we'll start talking about the game slowly as we go through this Colin Grant scores an absolute worldie of a goal yeah it's brilliant it's ballsy it's brilliant no way he should be allowed to get that into the bottom corner if there's any gripe that there should be had it's the keeper's getting beaten in his near post but mm. it's a sublime shot he was like oh that's too easy that is I, I, I don't. I don't know how you can see a goal scored from outside of the box in the way he scored that and call it too easy. Mm. The first port of call for me has got to be to praise that goal because it's it's phenomenal. Mm. It's a great goal. Should should Blues have closed them down quicker? With hindsight, yes. But in that moment, if you're a defender, you're not trying to get too tight and you're not trying to give away a foul. But also, you're gonna nine times out of ten, you're gonna let him try and shoot near post, mm. which you think your keeper should be covering. So I think. The closing down quicker is great in hindsight, but in that moment, I think the defenders is doing everything right. It's a great turn from Grant, 
and touch and goal. Yeah, hindsight, you defender close him down. But at that moment, you let that guy shoot. Yeah, I think... And he's done really well to beat the keeper. Yeah, yeah. I, I said this on another podcast. I think I said, um, when we were in the Premier League, and we were one of the poorest teams in the Premier League, um, a lot of the commentary favoured like Man United, the top teams and whatever, when we faced against them, because it just made sense. More fans, more Man United fans, more Man City fans, whatever. It just makes numbers sense, right? But who wants to talk about With, shitty old Albion? No one wants to talk about Albion, because there's less people watching it for the Albion, because the fact that Albion are in that game. Yeah. But in this, we've got the most fans. We're one of the bigger teams in the league. People expect us to win the league, but the narrative completely changes one eighty. It, it has, it and has the reason the why time. is because it's kind of like it makes in the mind, in the weird mindset of people like Don Goodman, it's like oh, it makes more commentary sense to go for the underdog because it's kind of like we can build this like narrative throughout the game well, that when makes you think it more it, interesting. When it's a championship game on eight o'clock on a Friday night. You're going to get a lot of neutrals watching this. You're going to get a lot of yeah. people who support League One, League Two, and mainly Premier League clubs mm. watching this, and you're trying to keep them engaged. And if you're going, Albion played the knock the ball out really well. Albion amazing. They're not going to get as many people staying in because if they can push this underdog narrative, people will sit there and watch it. I was watching the F1 on the weekend, and it was a, such a boring race, but it had the potential to be a good race. Mm. Um, which you know, F1 fans, you know, a bit more than casual and upwards would know because the weather could have shifted really easily, and then the tire choice would make an impact. It never happened, and a lot of people reserved themselves to that fact early on uh, into like them claiming it would change. But for these commentators, like, don't go anywhere because it could get really interesting. And like, I'm sat there going, it's, it's really not. This is where the Americans like, have it really over on us, mate. Really it? You know what I mean? Like, you watch American commentary for American sports, and they can just big up something. And obviously, American sports are skewed towards like. You know, there's a lot more goals, there's a lot more points scored in games and things like that. You always get a winner. Very few draws in American sports and whatever. Um, But they get that, they hype it up. It's like, this is the Pepsi moment brought to you by Pepsi again. We're going to keep saying Pepsi for the next 30 seconds. And then they just hype everything up. Hype everything up to the absolute maximum. In this country, we're kind of a bit more laid back, which I kind of prefer. But like when you've got people like Don Goodman... And you can kind of see the rhetoric he's going for. You can kind of see the narrative, but it just doesn't come across. And then the really infuriating thing is like, it's every game. It's like if I, it was I every get, one, every other I game. I get fine. setting up the underdog narrative. I get that. Fair enough. Mm. But when, and I'm not saying we were necessarily in the ascendancy the whole game, but there are games where we just control the whole game, and they'll still push this underdog narrative. Mm. It's. There was one bit, actually, I just remember this one bit, right, and they were talk- and he was talking, and it was, um, we-, we were having a corner in the first half, right, and we were putting people in, and... Oh, is this put- when he just absolutely went nuts over Lee Bowie having two players out of the box? Literally having two players <laughs> on the halfway line, and he was like, oh, that's, a- that's an incredible tactical masterclass, that is, Lee Bowie putting two guys on the centre, uh, on-, on, the- on the line, right, in the middle of the park, and I'm like, is that a tactical masterclass, or is he just literally just said, you two boys... Go on there just in case the ball comes out. It's like the most meat and potatoes level football thinking ever. And it's like, oh, now they've had to draw one of the extra men out of the box to come and cover. So it's not a two-on-one situation. It's like, this is playground. This is like the kind of stuff if you were 14. What I was thinking. And they were playing. Well, there was a camera angle from the whole pitch um, from one goal to the other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like a vertical shot and it showed them and I was like if we never had that shot I don't even think this might happen in like a lot of games we just don't see it yeah it happens literally all the time like and this is the way teams have been playing against us this is the, the reasons why we've been having problems and tactical masterclass it relies on a shit cross and a bit of luck clearing the ball for mm. it to fall to him and yet when the ball comes to Scott Hogan he does well to get it across mm. uh, and that, I think that's the bit where there's 
like a really good defender from Conor Townsend. I think he like times his tackle perfectly, and that was amazing. Conor Townsend was unreal. Last he night. was great seeing him shift out from centre back back to his natural. So position. needed, so needed. Um, and we'll talk about a couple of things that changed the game. Um, but yeah, it relies on a lot of luck, and yeah, it's great if it works, but it's not tactical masterclass when it has so many conditions and parameters. Just done good. It's just dreadful. And Lee, Lee Guardiola, Boya for playing two players up front they're on the off chance. They started really well and now they're doing dreadful. Like it mm-hmm. just happens so quick. Um, I don't mind Blues to be fair. Everyone hopes it up. Like Sky loves to peddle it as a derby, which it, it is a it it's is not. A bit. No one gives a shit. Like if Wolves are in the same league and Villa and whatever, no one it, cares. It's, it's kind of a derby. It's a good game to go. It's Blues away. It's a cracking game. I would say more um, of a derby for me would be like us playing Stoke. Do you think? Yeah, and even though yeah, that's a non-derby, I, but that the reason why is because of the history of Villa us Bogues. always losing. No, I, I get that. I get that. I think Villa, uh, Albion Blues is always better at Blues because Blues have a decent home support, and Albion have one of the uh, I'd argue the best away. Well, the sport reason in the, the reason why it's so great being away as well is because it's the the level of fear you have when you're at St Andrews because you don't know if the whole thing's just going to collapse in around yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah, adds, adds a new level of energy. Shambles of a club. <laughs> You believe they had to? They were the ones giving Coventry a stadium. Yeah, there's a dreadful. They haven't even finished two of the stands or something. It's mm. absolutely mental. Uh, but we'll move. We'll move on to the game. It was, you know, it was it was even-ish. Albion had moments. Blues had moments. I think Albion rode their luck sometimes. Blues rode their luck sometimes. I think it was one of them. I think we really got let off when they hit the bar. Yeah, I think that was that was it. Surgical. He did really well. Mm. If you watch where he hit that from. To get the ball that far across goal, mm. uh, he's just like that little bit. He's gone that little bit too far, and it's rose that little bit too much and hit the bar. So we got lucky there. Um, but you know what decides it is a bit of Carlin Grant brilliance. But I think what changes the game, and I will check when he came into it. But I think Jason Malumbi really changed. I've that heard a lot us. of a lot of chatter about uh, about Jason. I think it's still a bit too early to say, but I think. There is something there, and I think he does change the he dynamic. Had so much a energy, bit. he was yeah. knocking the ball around. He covered every blade of grass. I think he played really well. Not a great circumstance where he replaces Moat, but I think a Moat and Malumbi midfield partnership is far more dynamic than a Moat Livermore. Well, the thing is, is that they're so disparate, aren't they? Livermore and Malumbi, in terms of just if you to just take like that word that you said, just energy levels, stamina, um, and their ability to sort of traverse through the midfield. Mm. You'd expect, based on the small amount that we've seen Malumbi, he'd be able to do that a lot better than Jake Livermore because of his age, the way that he plays, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, his stature, whatever, the way that you, whichever way you want to put it. So that's a cool new dynamic that we could have, and I hope he does because I do think the way that we struggle sometimes from midfield with our energy is a real problem, especially in latter stages of the game. That's where the substitutions kind of come in. Um, so if you have someone like Jason Malumbi, and hopefully he can be that, a bit of an engine in midfield. Uh, alongside someone like Moat, then maybe we'll have less problems with the press. Because I, I think what you, what you lose, we live more great, good leader, and he's great defensively. But like his energy levels aren't there necessarily. But plus he's he's passing at the the passing at times last night really wasn't really good. bad. It's still a Especially, massive problem. It yeah. really was poor. Still huge. Um, and that's got to be that's got to be down to coaching, right? Because we I don't remember us having such a passing problem. With other managers, things like that. So I, I think so, but also it's a different type. So you pass it at a much higher pace. Like under Billich in the Championship, it was like knock the ball around at whatever. At, at, yeah, the at tempo. A gradual tempo. Different. You know, we'll keep it. We'll play it around a bit. Now it's we need to get from point A to point B 
in 10 seconds mm. and by doing that that needs you can't just run there you need like five passes in between it's true we're transition. not playing and we're not playing as deep with like someone like Sawyers so we've got like te- 10 seconds on the ball or whatever it's more like yeah. like you say instantaneous passing trying to traverse it up the pitch as quickly as possible but it's still massive and it's something that you you would think would be easy to replicate during training you know with passing yeah. triangles things like that like high tempo passing in I, I don't know sort of, sort of small blocks things like that that you'd be able to replicate yeah, it, it but it doesn't look and, like and it comes with sharpness I think I don't know, it just feels like the season's been very stop-start. And whether it feels that way or it is that way, it feels like there's been, you know, an international break's come and then gone and then come very quickly again. Mm. Very stop-start, you know, the sharpness it doesn't benefit from that. Um, I, I don't know, I, I, I just think that the system has suffered uh, due to this. A great, great piece of news that came out uh, in the week and obviously started, Matt Clark being back, he mm. is a top class player. Yeah, huge. You, we see him with the ball at his feet in their third. Mm. He's not. He's not afraid to take that ball there. He's not afraid to hit them clip passes or have the ball at his feet and knock it about. He isn't a problem in that at all. Well, thank God for Matt Clark, mate, because as, as, with the Jai like sort of dropping off, we needed to. I thought, Ajay, like I thought Ajay, He looks more confident yesterday. He did. The thing is. He's, he's not. He's not at the level we've seen him. He didn't have an, a moment. But I, I said this to I said this to to my brother when we were watching the game, and I, I said, as much as I like Ajayi, especially the first season when he came in as well, um, and then Bartley as well, they still have this problem where one of one of them each match has this moment of just where they just go nuts and they just allow the the team to have a huge goal-scoring opportunity out of the score, or they're very close to. I think they overextend themselves they and expect too much of themselves. Well, Bartley had one the um, pre- the last game against Birmingham, um, where he just he was holding the ball for 10 seconds and had no idea that the Birmingham defender was coming behind him. No one shouted him, whatever. But it was just lackadaisical. He was on the ball, let the ball go through. The guy had the opportunity. Thankfully, he didn't go in. But Bartley had one of those. Ajay is massively renowned with having that as well. But these two sometimes they'll have a great game and then they'll just turn off. Yeah, you know, completely turn off out of nowhere. Usually the back end of the game, you know, sort of after the seventy fifth minute or something, last fifteen minutes of a game. That's usually when it comes out. Or when tempos drop, it's like when does one that, nils and you start losing focus. That that's a lack of how would you quantify it? a lack of professionalism, a lack of holding the game out, um, a lack of awareness. But there's there's something there that comes with. That you'd expect it not to have at this point because they're very they're veteran at what they do. They're not young players. They're not like Jason Malumbi coming to a new club, twenty two years old, still kind of learning the craft and whatever. They're pretty veteran. They know what they're doing, especially someone like Bartley. Um, so having Matt Clark in, breath of fresh air, mate. He shaved his head. He looks like he's ready to get down. Uh, <laughs> he's gonna be he's gonna be pretty huge going forward. He's massive going forward, like you said as well. He was he was. A massive impetus moving forward throughout that entire game. Malumbi or no, no, uh, Matt Clark. Oh, Matt Clark. Yeah, sorry, I hundred percent agree. And I, I, I say Malumbi because I'm just looking at Malumbi. He played twenty eight minutes last night. Uh, two crosses, two long balls, um, four ground duels, winning two. One his aerial duels, two, a tackle, a block shot. He's just everywhere. You look at his heat map. Obviously, his heat map's very, you know, one big dot in the midfield, but. You see him up front. You see him deep in our third on the right, deep in our third on the left. He was brilliant. I really thought he was good, and I wouldn't mind seeing that Moat Malumbi dynamic. If Moat is okay, obviously we wish you the best. Mm. Um, bit of a weird one. I think we'll talk about this before we start moving to closing. But 
Callum Robinson being brought off at half time mm. wasn't a fan I'm still not a fan of that choice I, I, I don't think you substitute a striker that is scored, just scored 5 in 2 obviously a hat-trick for Ireland um, I don't think you take him off even if he hasn't been having the best game but I'd argue he didn't have the best of service mm. he was shooting on sight that's a striker with confidence playing that way uh, but for me, I, I don't take Callum Robinson off at all. I personally, if you want to make a change, because I think Hugel Hugel added to that impetus as well. I thought Hugel was all right last night, forty-five minutes, um, especially in the closing, being a bit of a shit house. Um, but for me, it, I don't think either of them played amazing the first half. But I take off Matt Phillips if you're going to take anyone off. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't think taking uh, Robinson off is a good idea. I think it's counter to the way that we're supposed to be playing as well. And I've said this on other podcasts, and I don't know if I can't remember if you agree or disagree with me, but about how Hugel and the way that Hugel plays is very anti our system and he doesn't contribute to the press. But to be perfectly honest, if I'm being completely pragmatic, we've not been doing that well in terms of our pressing game. Yeah. Our pressing game's been very secondary and it should be primary. It should be the it should be the forefront of the way that we're playing because it's literally the basis of our entire system. And I don't know why that is. And you'd think at this point it'd be indoctrinated into these players. Like it'd be the first point of call, especially the front three players that we play, you know, it would be like Phillips, Grant, Robinson, press, 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 press. But it seems to go and like Dean Garner whenever he comes in as well and does that. But yeah, with Hugel, on paper, and the way that he's played historically, and from, again, a handful of matches that I've seen him play at the Albion, he's supposed to be anti that system. He's not He's not the same kind of player that's supposed to be contributing to the press in the same way. But he might be the player where you change the dynamic, 75th minute, you need to, as you say, shithouse the game, you need to change the way that you're playing, whatever. Which I think you need a little bit more of in the Championship than Ooh, you do in the Premier absolutely. League. You know, you can't levy that... Uh, like you know like when Guardiola came to the Premier League people were like oh he's been found out first season been found out playing this ticky tacker football and whatever in the press doesn't work in the Premier League and then destroys the league later and wins yeah. it um, it's not the same in the in the Championship because of the high amount of fixtures that you have through the Cups and the league and everything else it's that goes on it's ugly football a lot of teams play really ugly you need football. you need to sort of sometimes take your moral standing back a little bit and look at the the situation a little bit more I think with the championship than you do with the it's, Premier League it's, it's a lot of pragmatism but like you said but like I said with Hugel I don't I have less of a problem with it now because the system just at times isn't working it's not working throughout the entire of the team yeah I, I watch the game I don't really see a lot of pressing and if I'm just blind tell me but I don't see a I lot really of I really don't at all like and it was interesting watching I think I watched um Liverpool game last week I can't remember who Liverpool were against uh was it Man City? Norwich? No, well, whenever it was. I think it was Chelsea. a week, maybe a week and a half ago. I think it was Man City versus Liverpool. Two great pressing Oh, games. yeah, yeah. And that was the an two, two. Red, yeah, 3 2 2 3 3 2 2 yeah, it was a draw. Yeah. I think it was. I can't, sorry, yeah. from the top of my head. It was an incredible game, and it was incredible to watch these two titans of the way that you do play this pressing style football. And I was like, I, you just completely forget after watching Albion sometimes. You forget, oh, this is how it's supposed to be done. These are two, like, the masters. And obviously, you don't want to compare Albion to Man City and Liverpool, but you're kind of like, this is what the system's supposed to be. It's supposed to be 100% each time, stamina levels high, keeping that high line. And this is why we kept getting found out by Birmingham. And I've said it in previous games, we're at the Derby game, um, Luton, all these other times, where teams know we're going to keep the high line 
and we do, but when you drop off from the press and keep the high line, they're going to counterattack you, and we can be vulnerable from the counterattack, and we keep and it keeps happening, and that's why Lee Bowyer did his Don Goodman high level, you know, sort of managerial tactic of putting two guys at the halfway ball. line at set pieces yeah. because they know that's what we're going to do. We're going to try and kettle them in the, in the way that you're supposed to do with the press, but the press isn't going on for the full 90 minutes. I would, like, if I'm being honest, I would say half the game, if I'm being honest, we would look like we were doing decent pressing moves. I think you're generous. And maybe I'm generous there. I think well. you are generous in that. Um, but interesting closing. Three points is three points, and it's brilliant. But I'm seeing on Twitter, oh, there's games like this, you've got to grind them out. I've seen that tweet like four times this year. Mm. You've got to grind out victories, you get messy ones. I get it, but... Messi wins aren't sustainable. And no, we've had not. like three or four of them this year. You're not going to win the league on Messi wins. Like sometimes you're going to have to have it. Like this one, it was very close. But I would argue again, like I've said, whenever we've lost or whenever we've dropped points this year, it's it's been our fault. Like it's not been the other team playing extremely well. It's us being not utilising our system yeah. correctly or the players not being on point for the full 90 minutes. I agree. So we as us having a podcast and analysing, discussing these games, we've got to look at and go... Yeah, great. We beat Birmingham 1-0 because of one moment of brilliance from Carl and Grant. Fantastic. But that's not sustainable. And sustainable is the word. And it's kind of like, we want to go in the Premier League next season. We don't want to still be in the Championship. The whole point of winning the Championship is to go to the, is yeah. to go to the Premier League. And we're not going to win this league if we're just getting you know sort of grotty 1-0 wins off one moment of brilliance. This uh, system needs to work. If something should be like before that Carl and Grant goal, 40% of our goals had become from set pieces. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's really hard to complain about goals and wins. But at times you need to make sure that these wins are, like you said, sustainable. Mm. You can't recreate scrappy wins every weekend. No. And you definitely... Well, you win the league on scrappy wins because you need those scrappy wins. But you don't win the league by getting scrappy win after scrappy win after scrappy win after scrappy win. Mm. I mean, if that happens, it'd be a very unique situation. But like, I think we've seen Fulham beat QPR 3-1. As we're recording this, yeah. yeah. So Fulham clearly got something worked out. They have, and I mean, it's it's interesting to see. And um, you know, I still I still believe in the system. I still think it's because I'll always go with the pro football, and I know it's that, that's the same with you as well. Is that we we're a club that have seen so many anti football managers come in. You know, Tony Pulis being the absolute culprit of it, but obviously still getting results. Um, so you know, the thing is, is that you need to find that balance, and we just don't have that balance at the moment. But hopefully. It'll come soon, but when you start getting to Christmas, I mean, if we're still there and thereabouts, I'll still be happy. But like, it'll come down to signings we have in January again. I think Daryl Dyke will be massive if he can come. Daryl Dyke be great. We could really do Matt Phillips. He had a great preseason, but in the season, I haven't seen a lot mm. to say like that guy can start up top. Yeah, uh, I don't mind him, but like playing the odd game up top or starting games that wide or even more centrally. In the midfield, I don't necessarily mind that. But if we get a, sc- a goal scorer like Daryl Dyke, who's played in the system and scored a lot of goals relatively mm. in the time span, then we have to go and get him. Mm. Especially if he's available for a loan with an option to buy for five million. Mm. We didn't spend a penny in the summer, and now we've got fan money coming in from yeah. from the ticket prices. Mm. I'll be I'll be very disappointed if the club doesn't buy a striker in the in in Jan. And what and one that's it seems so obvious. It seems so obvious it's to fit. Yeah. Uh, you know, great relationship with Moat, great relationship with the gaffer, great uh, knowledge of the system. Mm. It's a no-brainer for me. But thank you guys for listening. 
be sure to check out the cooldown if you have not. Uh, and yeah, I'm just happy to be back. I mean, regardless of the complaints we have, um, <laughs> it's 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 brilliant to actually talk about a win. Yeah, three points to the board is massive. So I thank Dom. I thank you guys for listening. And as always, come on, you baggies. <laughs>